Hi, this is Noel T. Manning II, and we are back on WGWG.org, WGWG 88.3 FM with Cinema Scene. Got a special guest, Jessica Pickens. Jessica, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Wonderful. Jessica is a reporter at the Shelby Star and uh, website, shelbystar.com. Yes. And uh, But the big thing is, you know, she's a reporter. That's great. And we can talk a little bit about that, which we will. But she also loves classic movies and when i mean classic i don't mean like schwarzenegger you know terminator days classic no, we, we go <laughs> way way back we go way way back she does have a blog which a website her own website uh, cometoverhollywood.com and you can check out all sorts of great things there and you've got them going back to 2009 mm-hmm. and so you didn't actually start out with the wordpress you started out with another type of blocker and so some of the early ones are transitioned slightly different correct yeah i was trying to figure out what i was going to do one of my first posts was about this trashy 1950s film right. susan slade and i think it took me three days to write it because i was felt the need to review everything that happened in the movie (laughs) and now you know i don't really you know sometimes i'll review movies or but not in such depth i don't really like to go over a certain length because i don't like to read that much and i don't feel like other people would either yeah and and the thing is the more you write the better you become Mm -hmm. and and the more you realize okay what readers want and what they're looking for as well uh tell me how did you get interested is you're you're pretty young okay how did you get interested in classic Hollywood? Because that's really unusual. I was talking to one of your colleagues, Alan Ford, who is oh. a sports editor over there, and he just absolutely loves you. And he, <laughs> he thinks he thinks you're like the best thing in the world oh. ever. And uh, we, I, I was at some restaurant, and he just came over and started talking to me, and we were talking movies, and, and uh, he said, you are just this old soul that you don't find very much of. And so uh, let's let's get your background on, on what it is about classic Hollywood and, and tell people what classic Hollywood means for you. Well, for me, I mainly watch 1964 to the dawn of film. Um, I say 64 because that's kind of when the moral codes started to fade away. Now okay. I do like late 60s movies like Yours, Mine, and Ours with Lucille Ball and Henry Fonda or Six You Get Egg Girl with Doris Day and Brian Keith. But those are still sort of like the family-oriented right. movies. Um, I got into it really because that's what my parents showed us when we okay. were little. You know, I was four or five years old and we would watch Wizard of Oz or Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, um, Yankee Doodle Dandy, mainly musicals. Or, you know, we'd watch White Christmas and stuff like that. Um, I will say when I was in fourth grade, my family went to go see Gone with the Wind right. in the theaters and I ruined it for everybody because I complained the whole time. <laughs> but, you know, when you're nine years old and you're yeah. watching a four-hour oh, film, yes. oh, you don't yes. want to watch that. Yeah. Even, even 49-year-olds I hear have a hard time with uh, with four-hour films. Yeah, now I appreciate it, you know, with bathroom breaks and right, stuff like right, that. Right, exactly. But, you know, and I a lot of classic film references were made in old cartoons. You know, when I was younger, I would watch a lot of Looney Tunes and Bugs Bunny and stuff like that when they were on Cartoon Network. They right. don't really show them anymore. But, you know, Elmer Fudd was trying to get a rabbit for Humphrey Bogart and right. one. Right. Or yeah. Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck would pretend to be Carmen Miranda. So I'd ask mm-hmm. my mom who those people were, and she'd tell me. So I had this knowledge of these people that I thought everybody knew who they were. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's, that's great that you would mention that because Looney Tunes uh, really did a great job in capturing classic Hollywood even mm-hmm. in uh, they would even 
turned some of those characters into cartoons yeah. in some of those some of those uh, episodes. And uh, that's I, you know I never really thought of that until you mentioned it. But yeah, I remember that. I remember that vividly now. I mean, heck, that's how I got most of my my classical film or not classical film classical music references because yes. oh, yes. they always played classical oh, music yeah. in yep. them or once i was babysitting well i was in high school and i was really well into my liking classical film and um i think it was tom and jerry was actually done by mgm not warner brothers like um bugs bunny was right. and i was listening to the soundtrack and they were songs from other from other musicals i'd right. heard and um it you know they sampled from each other and you yeah. know MGM had Esther Williams swimming with um, Tom I think yeah it was Tom and Jerry yeah. in one of her movies so they integrated that a lot because right. I think from what I understand you know they used to use Mickey Mouse or talk about Mickey Mouse but once he started getting big Walt Disney said no more of that right and right. so then that's how they were able to you know have Gene Kelly dancing with Jerry the mouse yeah Jerry yeah. the mouse yeah 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 yeah, yeah. 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 Tom Cat yeah. Tom Cat yeah yeah I think, so. is that right? Yeah, yeah I think so. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, and and also, you would have uh, whenever you whenever you have um, the rights, uh, you're able to do a whole lot mm-hmm. more. And uh, yeah, you're right. Mickey Mouse did get talked about a whole lot, but then once um, once the popularity soared, it, it did change things. Yeah. Uh, you, you were talking about the classical music that was used. I have actually a CD called. Um, uh, called classical tunes mm-hmm. and it's t-o-o-n-s oh, and it's actually all these tunes these uh, these songs that were used in huh. in cartoons i need that That's it's great, great. <laughs> oh it's great it's wonderful uh and it actually uh, in the liner notes will tell you you know where some of these uh, mm-hmm. these famous cartoons were where some of these songs were used within yeah. the cartoon so pretty cool stuff. that's great yeah yeah classical tunes the uh so so you because of your parents, mm-hmm. you develop this this kind of love for it. Mm-hmm. You know, most most kids develop a love for what their parents like, and then there's a certain point where they they find what they call their own way. Yeah. You know, parents will say, "Oh, they're rebelling," you know, but they find their own way. Yeah. It seems like you have found your own way, but your own way is that old way. Yeah, and I think. You know, once TV Land started, I really liked those shows. And, you know, we grew up with the Brady Bunch, even though they were reruns. Right. And then, you know, for whatever reason, in the sixth grade, I really liked the monkeys. Mm-hmm. And then started liking all 60s music and all television shows and stuff. And then it just gradually got, my interest got older and older from the 50s and the 40s. Right. And um, really what I say set it off, you know, even though I was liking old movies in middle school and stuff like that and when I was in eighth grade my dad said oh you like musicals let me show you West Side Story and that was my favorite for many many years I mean I would listen to I drove my family crazy I would listen to the soundtrack every night and watch the movie I haven't seen it that many times because it's a long movie and emotionally (laughs) draining it's not gone with the wind yeah (laughs) it's like it's about two and a half hours or two hours and 45 minutes something like that but you know, then I, I just grasped onto this movie and my dad was like, man, I just, I created a monster. I didn't right. think she'd like it that much. <laughs> but, um, and then I just went off and thought, well, if this musical's so good, let me go see all these others. And I would go out of my way to see different musicals. And to date, I've seen about 501. Wow. Wow. Um, I saw two. I saw two at the Turner Classic Film Festival when I was there um, in April. Yeah. But 
I, you know, that it's not like I saw all 500 in one right, year. It's been right. over about 10 years. And That's I amazing, just, though. But I just really enjoy them. There have been, I'm not saying that they were all good because right. they weren't. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, the Busby Berkeley 1930s ones with the kaleidoscope looking shots. And yes. then the very colorful 1950s ones. You know, they're just. Is, it, is there a certain time period of musical that you like better than others? They're all very different. Um, the 30s ones with like Busby Berkeley, like I said, I feel like they're a lot. Though that kind is very extravagant and mm-hmm. um, very visually pleasing. Then you know the late 30s with some of the Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers. I like those. They're all right. kind of the same plot, so I'm not right. like, oh, I love this one because yeah. I kind of they all blend together. Yeah, but. I guess I would probably say I like the late 40s, early 50s MGM musicals, like okay. post-war. They're really colorful with Jane Powell, and, you know, they're just fun. And mm-hmm. if it's a rainy day, they're great to watch. Right. You know, right. yeah. I I like, you know, movies with messages, but I also just like movies where I can lose myself yeah. in the color and the dancing. Um but it is hard to say uh, what my favorite would be because then, you know, Fox had their very pretty okay. 1940s okay. Betty Grable ones. Okay. So, so you, you, just, you just like musicals. Oh, yes. Yeah. I just like musicals. Yeah. Well, we are talking to Jessica Pickens from the Shelby Star, and uh, she writes a column each week on movies. What's the name of the column in the Star? It doesn't really have a, call, a you name. Don't, you don't have, you've got to give it a name. Well, you've got to give it a I name. I guess I was just going to do Comet Over Hollywood again, but right. <laughs> it doesn't really have a name right now. Okay. All right. So that's that's uh, that's your assignment. If you're listening, you've got to give her some <laughs> name suggestions. Maybe we'll uh, we'll post that on uh, Twitter and Facebook and Google Plus and however many other social media outlets we can find, and uh, send her your suggestions for names. Maybe, maybe she'll take you up on it. Uh, what is the best way for people to reach you or follow you? Um, well, I do. Comment Over Hollywood does have a Facebook page. It's just facebook.com slash Comet Over Hollywood. Um, the C-O-M-E-T. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, then they can also comment comment on actual <laughs> Comet Over Hollywood website um, on any of the posts. And I try to get back to people and that, I also have an email address that I don't use terribly okay. for that so, one. So comedyoverhollywood.com yeah. is, is just a really good place. Yeah. Where did the name come from? There is, I think it's a 1938 movie called Comet Over Broadway. It's starring Kay Francis. And I just, it just seemed, I changed the name from Broadway to Hollywood. And it just seemed appropriate yeah. for, you know, seemed yeah. very dreamy and right. old Hollywood yeah. seeming. Yeah. So... At what point did you realize that? Wow, I think I'm. I think I am going to just continue to follow old Hollywood, and and not really embrace. Now, you. I'm not saying you don't embrace new Hollywood, mm-hmm. but there's, there, there's a. Your first love is is old Hollywood. Oh yeah. Um, I guess you know, late middle school, early high school. Wow. Was wow. I mean, everybody. And in high school, everybody thought you were kind of weird. You know, you didn't like. They'd kind of make fun of you and stuff. Because you didn't like the things that, that yeah. were popular for everybody and else I, at that time. You period. know, I would go see new movies if they interested me. Um, What's the last movie you've seen that interests you that's new? I saw Great Gatsby, and that wasn't bad. Okay. Um, I really did like The Artist, but mm-hmm. once again, that's um, modeled classic. after oh, yeah, old absolutely. movies. Well, and, and, and in a way, Great Gatsby, except for the musical numbers, yeah. was modeled after old Hollywood mm-hmm. from the from stylistically. Um, you know the the extravagant yeah. sets, the costumes, 
I mean, it, it had that feel. Mm-hmm. And, and, well, it was the time period. So, of course, it would have yeah. that feel. But, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and the artist, wow. I, 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 that's still, to me, just, just an amazing work of art. Mm-hmm. I mean, to, to be able to do a silent film. Mm-hmm. That was um, wonderful. In this day and age and, and make it work. It was unreal. And a, a big part of that, you know, not only is, is the acting, but the, the the musical score. Yeah, that supporting score just really, really did did make it work. And on that so many different the levels. guy, the male lead, I can't remember his name right now. Yeah, uh, Jean. Um, yeah, I'm, um, oh, shoot, I, I, I'll, I'll think of it in a little. But while. he was fantastic. Yeah. Like he was like a mixture of Douglas Fairbanks Sr. and Gene Kelly, and was just mm-hmm. wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was unreal, and uh, I, I was I was just blown away by it. I, I remember sitting there watching and going, "I have never seen anything like this." I mean, mm-hmm. I've seen silent film, but I've never seen yeah. a silent film like this. Yeah, and it was just brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant, and, and well worthy of the awards. Oh yes, that it got. And I remember watching it because I voted with the Broadcast Film Critics Association. I'm like, okay, I've seen no film this year mm-hmm. like this, and I've I've seen no film like this in a long, long time. I don't yeah. know if I ever seen anything quite like this. And so when you're, you know, when you're judging the best films, you sometimes it's that film that stands out. Yeah. And it, it stood out that year for me. Yeah. So Greg Gatsby, artist, anything else in recent years that you would say, yeah, you know, I, that, that captured, mm-hmm. captured me. Not Iron Man, not... No. Well, you know, I mean, I enjoyed the Avengers yeah. and I enjoyed Captain America because right. I like World War II themed stuff yeah. anyways. But, I mean, I know I've seen some movies that I've really liked, but I can't think of it yeah, right now. That's all right. <laughs> Nothing that's, that's jumping out yeah, at me. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, your your column this week, or maybe it was last week in the uh, the Star, I feel like I've just read it today, uh, dealt with uh, with World War II related films. Mm-hmm. Was that, when was that? Was that this week sometime? I did, yeah. The, well, I talked about actors who um, actually enlisted, not because, you know, a lot of actors after the war went, or people who were in the war later on became big stars like Tony Curtis and Burt Lancaster. But I was talking more about people who were actually established stars and like Clark Gable, who was already called the King of Hollywood, who went and enlisted because they felt they needed to. Yeah. What was it, do you think, about that time period? Because you did see that with with a lot of, um, not just actors, but musicians Mm -hmm. and others that said, you know, I need to serve my country. What was it about that time that, that that these people felt this need to, hey, I am going, I am, I care about my country, and I'm, I'm going to make sure that I have these freedoms. What was it about that time period? Because there was something very significant about that. I feel like, in general, people of the 30s and 40s were very hardworking people. Mm-hmm. A lot of them had to work very hard to where they got, and a lot of them weren't educated. Right. Um, so I think it had to do just their work ethic and their they were proud of their country. And I mean, I guess I don't I don't know, you know I know, you know, Jimmy Stewart had a military background mm-hmm. and he felt, you know, it was his duty to do that. And they all had their own reasons and I think I quoted Henry Fonda of saying, I don't want to be in a fake studio war. Wow. Um Yeah. Yeah. Like or a, yeah. a war on the studio lot. So I guess they just felt it was their duty and everybody was so patriotic at that Mm -hmm. time. But I feel, I do feel that if something of that magnitude happened again, Mm -hmm. that people, people in general or actors wouldn't 
do that. They just throw money at it and yeah. they think of themselves. Yeah, I, I think you're right. There, there's, uh, you know, Hollywood has become so huge and it, it's it's beyond just a, a studio in California. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's international. And, and even today when, when films are being made, they're not necessarily made for our American audiences anymore. Yeah. It's about, okay, it's about the bottom line. How much money can we make on this? And how much money can we make overseas? Mm-hmm. And that's a, you, so much so whenever you, there, there are, we've changed the way we look at our enemies mm-hmm. on film because it may not play well in, in other countries. Yeah. Uh, that, we've seen that happen just recently with a, with a few films. Red Dawn was one of those that instead of having the, uh, the Chinese as the enemy, they changed it to North Korea. Huh. And so, uh, you know, there's this fear of, okay, wh- how is this going to resonate somewhere else yeah. now? World War II, you didn't have that. Mm-mm. I mean, you knew who you were. It was very clear who your enemies were. It was also very clear who your allies were. And it was it was really all about, okay, th- let's let's make these for American audiences. Yeah. Let's change now. And as, as pretty much everything else has as well. It's a, we, we live in a, when we say we live in a global community, we really do live yeah. in a global community. But yeah, I agree that I do not think that we would have uh, we would have people you know ready to go to war. Mm-hmm. You know, if if it was truly a, um, a war that that was uh, that was a world war that happened. Now I think no, I'll let somebody else take care of that. And I feel in general that some Hollywood actors were more human then. Mm-hmm. I think that I mean Hollywood was still pretty new in the 30s and 40s. Right. Yep. Um, and a lot of them were just average people. Some were, had been, like, Joseph Cotton was sold ads before he went on Broadway and then became an actor. Or, I can't, you know, a lot of them just had small jobs and had yeah. to work very hard to get there. And, you know, Joan Crawford would respond to all of her fan mail. And I think Lana, yeah. De- Lana Turner would as well. Um, or, you know, some people would stop and sign autographs. Um and now you got people selling their autographs. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. And then um but like now I guess it's just because it's evolved so much that it's almost like a lot of them don't want to take the time to acknowledge your fans. I mean, I bet if I if I wrote to I don't know Scarlett Johansson, she probably yeah. would not answer. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, she, she, she might have, but and she may never even see read it. it. Yeah. 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 Um, but I, and I think, you know, as a reporter, I watch the reaction between the, the, between the stars and the press and Mm -hmm. the paparazzi, that's all crazy and stuff, but it's like, they don't want to talk to the press at all. Mm -hmm. And I know that it was very different during the studio systems because I'm sure a lot of the stories were very fake and very fabricated but there was still a give and take mm-hmm. with because they had the they, they had the publicity departments and they understood that being there in the papers and in magazines was important now mm-hmm. it's no I don't want to be seen I need my privacy which yeah. is yeah. ridiculous to me anyways because you wanted to be a star exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel the same way they now I do think that the paparazzi can go too far. Oh, yeah. And I think any of that, you know, anyone can go too far with that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think everybody does deserve some type of privacy. Mm-hmm. But if you're out in public, you know, you're out in public. Yeah. And, and it's, sorry, if you want to if you want to have your privacy, then, you know, you're going to have to find somewhere that's private. <laughs> yeah. Change your career, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, it's, uh, you know, there are so many, 
especially young talents, and we're talking the, about celebrity, whether mm-hmm. it's uh, whether it's Hollywood um, movies or whether it's music. Uh, celebrity is is something that if you if you are not ready for it, it can destroy you. Oh, yeah. And we've seen so many. And we, you know, even in the early early years, we saw that as mm-hmm. well. I remember you know the Brady Bunch and shows like that we were talking about. That you know, several of those had some very difficult oh, yeah. times, um, you know, from from the celebrity standpoint, because they just didn't know how to deal with it. I mean, yeah, in recent years, there's one that just really stands out who had it all from a movie standpoint was Macaulay Culkin, yeah, a childhood star who who had it made, and in many ways he reminded me of of kind of this from what he did on camera reminded me of young Hollywood mm-hmm. you know, these young Hollywood kids and and he had a presence about him it, it was you know smart alecky almost in, in a way I could think back to some of the little rascals mm-hmm. and when I'd see him but then um, you know it just Hollywood just destroyed him and and, it's, and it was sad it was really yeah. sad to see that happen oh yeah he's he looks terrible when you see pictures oh yeah but it's interesting you bring you know child actors up in general because i've actually i just finished a book um about written by child star dickie moore okay. he was in our gang and um movies with a lot of very big stars barbara stanwyck joan crawford wallace beery some people like that and in the book he actually interviews several different other child stars to see because he you know he was like I, I kind of feel like I don't have much of an identity though I do feel and he admits he had it off better his parents let him play outside and play with neighborhood kids whereas Shirley Temple was very isolated from all the other children when people said you know her mother there's a little girl um Sybil Jason she was in Bluebird with her and also um the little princess and apparently in Bluebird, she had this very emotional, great scene where she all of a sudden could walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Shirley Temple's mother, who I think was like the queen of, one of the queen of stage mothers, she saw this scene and demanded that this was cut out. And Sybil Jason was aware of it, but, you know, she couldn't do it. But Shirley Temple had no idea any of this was going on. Um, but one that I thought was very interesting was a little girl named baby peggy she's still alive actually she's like a late 90s right. um she was in films when i think in the early 20s late 19 teens and she was you know basically a baby when she started and but she was a has-been by the age she was five but she had no concept she felt like she was an adult she was supporting right. her family right. yeah and she would say you know i saw i would look over the fence and these other children were playing outside and i thought well why aren't they working Wow. And when she was older and had a son, she had just like this crisis where she would see him playing outside and think, you know, I'm really glad he doesn't have to work. And then suddenly she'd be angry mm-hmm. that he wasn't working. Wow. So she and she eventually came to terms with it by um, writing books and right. helping out other child actors. But it's it's just really diff- interesting the mentality mm-hmm. they had and the I mean they were the breadwinners while their parents were out of work because of the depression. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. that also puts a toll on the parents. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. it's wow. very interesting. I, I grew up watching Three Stooges, of course. Um, got, you know, we're talking reruns. I mean, years and years and years later. And The, the, the Little Rascals mm-hmm. or Our Gang, depending on which, yeah. which version I was seeing. But I loved those shows. Mm-hmm. And I loved them. And uh, the, the characters were fun. 
um, it, it was it was amazing how many of those stories that they were able to generate over oh, the yeah. years. You know, they're short twenty minute stories, but they're still self. You know, we say short twenty minute stories. Well, most sitcoms now are twenty two yeah. minutes, so yeah. it's about the same. But they were able to, able to generate so many of those things, and in in many ways, it was really they were kind of really ahead of their time. Mm-hmm. And and you have shows like The Little Rascals that it's all kid talent. Sure, you've got some adults, but but what drives it are the mm-hmm. kids. And you don't have much of that now, not even on you know, the Disney Channel or, or shows that are considered family channel kind of shows. You don't, sure, you've got some teenage kids. Yeah. But you don't have many where the kids drive at all. Yeah. Which is really interesting. You know, that's, that's what made that work. And I think, and he said in the book, you know, kid actors come and go you know the children on the brady bunch they come and go right but there was nothing like their area with jane withers and jackie coogan and mm-hmm. jackie cooper and people like that and i think it must it probably also has to do with the the working mm-hmm. that the the rules that were set as these children were working and oh yeah the money laws that had to be stood yep. up after their parents stole everything yep. and yeah. yeah i'm sure that's why wow wow <laughs> We've got about five minutes left. We are spending some time today here on the Cinema Scene Extra with Jessica Pickens. CometOverHollywood.com is a great place to go to find all of her blogs. And you can also find her at ShelbyStar.com. And any other contact information you want to make sure you share? Or is that pretty much that's, that's, that's what I need? Give us a handful of movies that everybody should see before they die. And it could be anywhere from a musical to drama to comedy well i think if alfred hitchcock's all-time best in my opinion is shadow of a doubt 1942 i believe okay um a little different than most of his set in a small town um in santa rosa california well when it was small then with joseph cotton and Teresa wright cotton is awesome by the way yes one of my favorites i love him and he's very dreamy. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't. I can't. I can't comment on dreamy or not, uh, Joseph Cotton. But does. I think I'm pretty sure Alfred Hitchcock has said that's his favorite. Um, one of my personal favorites, which I'm not sure if everybody should see it or not. It's it's very long, but it's very good. Um, it's called "Since You Went Away" from 1944. I really like the war era, um, but. It's just about a family on the home front and how they dealt. You know, we see a lot of war movies with the Mm -hmm. men fighting, but this is showing a woman and her daughters and how they had to take in borders and the rations and losing neighbors. Um, It's just, it's it's funny at parts. It's very sad at parts, but it's just an overall good movie. Um, Let me think another one. Okay. Well, the uh, well, while you're thinking about it, the uh, the Turner Classic Movies festival yes that you went to how, how did that happen um i've just wanted to go for a long time and okay. so i decided i'm going this year right. and it's it was its fourth year and it was amazing just a full-blown film festival yeah. old classic films oh well, that and that makes me think libeled lady was one of the comedies they showed um it was the first all-star comedy for mgm since dinner at eight and has gene harlow and william powell and myrna loy and spencer tracy and I think that's one of my favorite 1930s kind of screwball comedies. Yeah. And it's it's not overly crazy, like bringing up baby, but it's funny and it has a very far-fetched fetched plot. Okay. Um, but I think it's it's one that most people, I think, would be entertained okay. by. Great. Um, Wonderful. Well, Jessica Pickens, our guest right here today on the Cinema Scene Extra. 
Uh, CometOverHollywood.com is your place to go to find out about classic movies. Now, uh, we've got time for one more question. I'm going to throw this out there. How do you, actually two more, uh, how do you find the time to find new movies? Now, do you feel like you've seen all the old ones that you want to see? What? No. Um, okay. You all know, right. sometimes I'll look on YouTube. People put them there. I'll occasionally okay. surf Netflix. But um, I get the Turner Classic Movie Now Playing Guide, which is okay. like a TV guide for TCM. And my mom, even though I don't live at home, she's actually kind enough to still record movies for me gotcha. via VHS. Okay. So I'll make lists and she'll gotcha. record them and I'll just watch them when I can. Okay. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, that's good. It's good to have a mom that'll do that. <laughs> my mom would do that, but she would call and say, Noel Thomas, how do I how do I hit the record button? So, um, yeah, Mom, yeah, if you're listening, yes, I called you out. I called you out. <laughs> Any final thoughts that you want to share? Um, no, I mean, I will say, I don't really think any movie is old if you've never seen it. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people are like, oh, no, it's not in color. But a lot of the best shots mm. are in black and white. Oh, it takes yeah. a lot more thought than color. Mm-hmm. And you look a lot more flattering in black and white, too. There <laughs> so. you go. So there you go. For uh, for all of those who feel like things have to be in color, yeah, go look at black and white photography. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely amazing. Our guest today, Jessica Pickens. From the Shelby Star, shelbystar.com, and also cometoverhollywood.com. We appreciate her hanging out, and we'll have her back in from time to time if she agrees to do it. Of course. Awesome. Well, that uh, wraps things up right here on WGWG.org and 88.3 FM, The Range, broadcast service of Gardner Web University. For the Cinema Scene Extra, I'm Noel Manning. That's Jessica Pickens. <laughs> and that is a wrap. <laughs> it's alive! What we've got here is failure to communicate. There's no crying in baseball! Let's get out of here. Look, Emerald City is closer and prettier than ever. Here's looking at you, kid. Hasta la vista, baby.